Happy Palm Sunday to you this morning. Good morning. It's uh, what a beautiful morning it is. I, I saw that uh, everybody, but especially our brothers and sisters in the ag industry, were walking with a, a special pep in their step after that beautiful rain that we enjoyed last night. What a what a good God we serve that He blesses us in those ways. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to continue to exalt in God by exalting in His Word. And through his word, so uh, turn to Hebrews. And we're going to take a short break, little break, short break from our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount on, on the Gospel of Matthew uh, for two weeks while we, while we think about Palm Sunday and Easter. And we'll do that from Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. So the word of God says, long ago... At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Let's pray. Father, your word teaches us, Romans ten seventeen teaches us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so, Father, I pray, it's my prayer, and I hope it's our prayer, we, we are praying this together, that you will increase faith this morning by the word of Christ. You have spoken. And Father, I pray for ears to hear what you have said in Christ, what you have said in the Son. And Lord, I pray for those who have never heard that before, never heard you speak in that way, clearly. Lord, speak clearly to their hearts today and bring up faith in Christ and in the gospel and in the, the hope that we have through the, through, the, through the atoning work and the empty tomb. And Lord, I pray for all of us that you will build our faith. We need that faith this week. We need to trust in Christ and we need to hear you speak. And so, Father, speak. We're, we're listening. We are listening. And we thank you, Lord, for the rain. And we thank you for what it, what it shows us. It shows us common grace, your grace. And your grace is common and it is specific too in the person of Christ. So Father, I pray that this would be edifying, encouraging to your people. I pray for your power, the power of your spirit through your word to impact people. And I pray, Lord, that we would leave here trusting, trusting Jesus going through the week, not just thinking about him sometimes in some ways, but realizing that all of our life has to do with Christ. Christ is our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's Palm Sunday, and um, it's the beginning of the last week, what many call the Holy Week. The focus of Palm Sunday is the day when Christ entered Jerusalem for the final time, like um, before the crucifixion. He was on his way to the cross, and this was a Sunday before the Friday. 
He was going to the cross. And before this week is out, this is a big week. This is a, a huge week. Before this week is out, Jesus will have been betrayed, arrested, tried in an illegal court, condemned, beaten, mocked, crucified, killed, buried. It's a big week. But next Sunday's coming, right? Next Sunday's coming. It's a big week, but Sunday is coming. That Sunday when the tomb becomes empty and our hope becomes full as Christ triumphs over the grave and leads the way in the resurrection. When Jesus entered Jerusalem on that Sunday, the gospel tells us that the people, they spread out palm branches or cut branches and cloaks. They received him like a king. He was riding in humble on a donkey, but they received him as a king. Rightly, they shouted out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel, even the son of David. The word Hosanna means something like save us. And that's what the people were yelling. That's what the people were crying out as Christ entered in this triumphal entry into Jerusalem at the beginning of the last week. Often on Palm Sunday, we would take time and just unpack that story, and we could, and it'd be really good for us, what the people said, thinking about how the people were responding to the king riding in on the donkey. Today, we're going to take a different approach, though. We're not going to think much about the people's response to Jesus. We're not going to think much about what they said. We're going to spend our time this Sunday, Palm Sunday, and next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, focusing more on what God has said to us, to his people, through Christ. After all, at the end of the day, it's not what we say about God, or what people say about God, or what people think about God, or it's not what we say that matters most. What is most important is what God says. And God has spoken. And we believe his word. We hang our hats on the truth that he's revealed to us. So my plan is to take this two-week detour from the Sermon on the Mount so that we can focus on this passage in Hebrews. This week, considering how God has spoken through his son. Just unpacking a few things that God has spoken through his son. Ones that are here. And what that means for us, practically, And then next week on Resurrection Sunday, we will focus on the significance of the fact that Jesus sat down after he had made purification for our sins. That's the plan anyway. And my hope this week is that we will desire with all of our hearts to hear what God has spoken so that we will believe it, so that our faith would explode and we would be edified. We would, we would be able to serve God courageously without fear of man. And my hope next week is that our collective breath will be taken away by the power of the atoning work of our risen Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm praying for God to do a faith-building work from God's word and through his spirit for these two weeks and for his glory. So I think it's helpful when you're thinking about Hebrews. One of these days I'm going to preach through this awesome book um, of Hebrews. Lord willing, if the Lord tarries and I live long enough, I want to preach through it. It's awesome. 
Um, but one, it's helpful to think about what Hebrews is about so that we can understand why he begins this way. It's an odd way to start a book, right? Like, it's interesting. It's different than all the other uh, writings in the Bible. So why did he start this little paragraph? Why did the Bible start, the Hebrews start with this paragraph in this way? And I think that this paragraph is, in a way, like a snapshot of the major thrust of the book of Hebrews. It's what Hebrews is all about. The writer of Hebrews, we don't actually know who that is, um, but he set out to show us that all of the Bible, in fact, all of the universe points to Christ. He is, the book of Hebrews is about the preeminence of Christ in this world and in, the, and in the Bible. And so he sets out to show us how the Old Testament testifies to Jesus. The way that Hebrews handles the Old Testament helps us to understand that the Bible is about Jesus, all of it. I had the great privilege this last week and we, we had an awesome, I don't know if you're praying for this, but if you were, thank you. We had a really nice time together as a group of pastors from around Nebraska and um, um, South Dakota and Kansas and, and India. Uh, a group of pastors came together and we were in Noreska, uh, that, that camp up there and Bob Lapine came and shared with us. And I had a, I, I got to do a breakout session and my, my breakout session was basically how to preach the gospel in every passage and, uh, and, and also faithfully teach the reality of the passage. And I'm not going to like redo that lecture now, although I want to, because I love talking about preaching and those guys loved hearing about it. I don't know how you are, but anyway, it's so easy to talk about that subject because the Bible, the gospel is the, is, is, is the Bible is all about the gospel. The Bible is all about Jesus, all of it. And Hebrew sets out to show us that God has spoken through the fathers in the past by the prophets uh, to the to the fathers by the prophets, and in these last days he has spoken to us through his son. And so, Hebrews is all about us listening to what God has said, God's word. So Hebrews begins by saying that God has, in varied ways, spoken to our fathers by the prophets. So God speaks in a lot of different ways. God is a communicative God. God loves to talk to us. He communicates to us. It's it's really good. He's not. You know, the deists are all wrong who think that God's aloof and, and, and doesn't have anything to do with our lives. He speaks to us. He's a communicating God. There was a time in my life, shortly after I became a Christian, when I thought that I really needed to hear God speak. It was like, I was 16, just, just became a believer, uh, was caught up in the whirlwind of all that that is, you know, as, uh, as a person turns and trusts in Jesus Christ and understands the gospel for the first time. And I remember thinking, man, God, I'm, I'm doubting here and I really need to hear you speak. And I'm, I'm walking up and down this long draw, driveway that we had in Florida. I lived in Florida and walking up and down this driveway and just praying, God, would you speak to me? Would you speak to me? I'm doubting you. Would you just say something out loud? I want to hear you. And nothing, just crickets. He wasn't speaking, it didn't seem. He wasn't saying anything that I could discern that morning. And just as I was about to give up, I heard my mailbox close. And funny that I, I, I just thought, you know, I bet he sent me a letter. <laughs> you know, the, the, the mailman was leaving and it just closed the mailbox, you know. And so I thought, he must have sent me a letter. So I, I, I raced down to my mailbox full of faith, opened it, and there was a newsletter from my church, this church that I had just joined. And I got on the mailing list and we used to send newsletters out, you know, and uh, newsletter. And right on the top of it, uh, there, was, uh, there was Isaiah 45, 5. It says, I am the Lord and there's no other. There's none beside me. 
Now, I took that as God speaking directly to me, and in a way, he was, because that's the word of God. He speaks to us, and I, I went home encouraged. He wrote me a note, sent it last week, knew I'd be praying today that he would speak to me. And I took that as confirmation, went on about my life. He spoke to me, you know, and it was huge to me at that moment. It really was. And, you know, 17 years old, God is gracious. He reached out to where I was, in, 16, where I was in my Christian life. But since then, he has spoken to me in much bigger ways through the years, much bigger ways. But that was huge to me. Now I see how small it was. God speaks in much bigger ways if we'll have ears to hear and faith to listen. There is a sense in which you can hear him speak generally when you observe his creation. So what I'm doing here is I'm going to show you a small way. That was a small way God spoke, I believe. I'm going to show you a big general way. And then I'm going to show you a, a specific way. So this big general way, you know, you can hear God speak when you observe creation. You, you can hear him all the time. When the rain starts falling, you, you know God did that. Because God says, I caused the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. The creation speaks to God. To, part of the reason why no one on earth has an excuse before God, part of the reason why no one outside of the reach of the gospel, no one who is within the reach of the gospel, no one on earth has, a, has a, like an excuse for not believing in God is because God has spoken through his creation. And we, many have refused to listen. That's what Romans 1, 19 through 20 teaches us. It says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived even since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. We call that kind of self-disclosure of God general revelation. It is God speaking in a big and general way. And while it is general, it is still clear. It's difficult to see a sunrise or to see the seaside or a tree, like a, a beautiful tree or the endless complexities of a human eye or the vastness of a cosmos or a tiny infant and not hear the voice of God, not see his creative power God has revealed himself in that way. He has spoken, and some believe and many reject. Listen to the way the Psalms put it. Listen for words of speech in the way the psalmist put it in Psalm 19, 1 through 4. The heavens declare, speech words, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. The night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, there are no words whose voice is not heard, their voice goes out throughout all the earth. So when you stand outside in a clear night here in Nebraska and look at the stars, you are hearing speech. The handiwork of God, the glory of God. So God has spoken through creation. You might not be listening. We might not listen sometimes. That doesn't mean God isn't speaking. And that's not the only way God has spoken. Again, God is a communicating God. I love that he is a communicating God. He speaks in these tiny ways to encourage us and these really big ways, general ways to show us who he is. And then in special ways through special people 
whom he chose to convey his words to prophets. And that's where this passage picks up. God specifically revealed truth about himself to his people through these prophets, people that God chose to use as a means of delivering his message to his people. God revealed himself to these prophets and they in turn spoke them to God's people and wrote them down for God's people. And in that way, God has spoken to his people in a special verbal way. He has spoken with human words and we can read those words in English. It says here, at many times and in many ways, and I think that means that God didn't merely speak in one way. He spoke in, like, diverse ways. He doesn't just speak, like, law. He also speaks Psalms. He doesn't just speak Genesis. He speaks Proverbs. Jeremiah, Jonah. He speaks in different ways, addressing all kinds of things about the human condition and about who God is many different times and in a great variety of circumstances and with, on many subjects, God has spoken to us through his word, through the Bible. And that brings up something really important, I think. I think we all want to hear God speak. I mean, if I took a survey of, 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 of you here right now and I said, how many of you would like to hear God speak? I think everybody would say, I would like to hear God speak. That would build my faith, I believe. I believe it would build my faith if God would say something. And we want to hear God speak. And and you could be like I was that day when I was 16 years old, crying out, Lord, if you're real, just speak to me so I can believe. Won't you simply speak? And sometimes we long for an experience, a vision or a dream or something so that we can believe that God is speaking. If God will only speak, then I will listen. And we often want that and long for that and even pray for that with closed Bibles. If you, my friend, long to hear God speak, I'm here to tell you that you can hear God speak. He has spoken with wide breath. So many words and on so many subjects. Albert Moeller and a few others actually have said it like this. I actually don't know who said it first. So many have said it this way, but Albert Moeller said it and published it like this. He says, if you want to hear God speak, read the Bible. If you want to hear him speak out loud, because that's what we want, right? Read it out loud. He has spoken. The issue is not that God can't speak to his people in other ways. That's... The issue is that this is the way God has spoken. And often with closed Bibles, we long to hear God speak. And the writer of Hebrews makes it clear that God has spoken clearly. And we could read those words for ourselves. We can apply them to our lives. God is a communicating God. He speaks in little and small ways and big and general ways and specific verbal ways. He speaks. But to the point of this passage, God God speaking in the past through the prophets is not the most significant or even the most important way that he has spoken or the things that he has said, although those words point to the most important thing that he has said. As the writer makes clear, the writer of Hebrews makes clear in the second part of verse one, in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. That means that God has spoken in this decisive way through the son of God, Jesus Christ. This is the climax of God speaking to us. And everything before, everything before was simply rising action. 
pointing to these main words, this main word in the life and the teaching and the work and the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word of God to us. That's why the gospel of John begins the way that it does. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And just a few verses later, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we know this is talking about Jesus. But what a strange thing to call a person a word, right? Word? In the beginning was the word? Why does John call Jesus the word? It's because Jesus is the word by which our loving, gracious, communicating God has spoken to us at last. Jesus is God's word. He is God's definitive, culminating, saving word. So God has spoken. Once we we get that and believe that, then the question we have to ask is, what has he said? Right? What has he said in Christ? What is he said by the Son? Part of the answer is that God spoke to us through Christ's teaching on earth. That's why we're spending so much time in the Sermon on the Mountain, the Gospel of Matthew. We want to hear God speak to us powerfully by his Son's teaching and, 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 and then how the Holy Spirit inspired apostles to write about Christ and his work. Every, every word of Christ is God speaking to us. God was speaking to us in Jesus. When Jesus said, here's an example, John eleven twenty five through 26. When Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's God speaking to us. That is the word of God that he's spoken through the Son. Everything that Jesus taught us, everything that Jesus modeled in this life is God's word to us. It is the way that God has spoken to us in these last days. And even beyond that, everything that God, that Christ is, is God's word to us. The writer doesn't leave it very general. He notes five, five words that God has spoken through the Son. And this is about who the Son is. God speaking to us through the Son. So let's briefly walk through those five things. Just right here. There's a lot more. And then we'll try to see practically what this means for our lives and the questions that we are asking. The first word is that Jesus is the appointed heir of all things. And it was so interesting to me that he begins there, right? He begins at the end. Jesus is the heir of all things. Being an heir, it looks forward, right? It looks forward. And he says, he's appointed the heir of all things. He is the appointed heir of all things, which means that God has spoken in Christ and made it clear that all of creation points forward to the time of Christ. Christ is how this story ends. Our future, the future of the world is wrapped up in Christ. There is a definitive word that God has said in Christ. He is the heir of all things. God's word to us is in Christ. Everything points forward to him with hope. And I think that's really good, you know, because I want to know how things are. I, know, I, I want to know where things are going, don't you? Don't you, want, don't you want to know where your life is going? Don't you want to know where this world is going? I, I do. I mean, without this though, without this word fitly spoken by God, we're left to guess or speculate. And I'm not good at either, to be honest. I mean, I look at the world around us and I see all this brokenness. I can make my predictions. 
but I want to know at the end of the day where this is all going. And he tells me, Christ is the appointed heir of all things. I'm not left to wonder or interpret tea leaves or make guesses. I'm hopeless without Christ. I have no future without Christ. We have no future. The world is hopeless without Christ. Ukraine is hopeless without Christ. This world without Christ has nothing. The world isn't getting better, but we know where it's going. God's told us he has appointed Christ the heir of all things, which one day, that means that one day, every rebellious, every rebellious tongue will stop rebelling and confess. Every rebellious knee will stop rebelling and kneel before Christ. God tells us where this is going and he tells us by his son. This points ahead to the end of all things and it points to the beginning too. Look at the end of verse two. It says that through the son, God created the world. Our existence points back to Christ. If you go back to the very first chapter of our story, the story of the world, there is the Son of God through whom God created the world. Colossians 1, 16 through 17, the Apostle Paul unpacks that even more. He says this, he says, For by him, by the Son, by Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So if you're wondering how this story ends, spoiler alert, God has told us by his son. And if you're wondering how it began, and there are so many people who are wondering where it began, but he's told us by his son. So this definitive revelation from God in the person of his son points forward to Christ as the heir of all things and back to Christ as the agent of creation. And then in verse three, we see that God's word points up to, it says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So Christ himself is the revelation of God in that when people see Christ, they see God. Jesus reveals God perfectly to us. In Christ, we see God's glory precisely and perfectly and specifically. The sun radiated God's glory. And I love that word radiate, right? Radiate, the, the radiance. Uh, you know, you have a big bonfire. I was at a bonfire not long ago. Big bonfire. Somebody was burning a trap. You know, they're, they're um, you know, a bunch of whatever. It was huge. You don't have to be in the fire to feel the fire. You know what I mean? You can stand off a ways and feel the fire. It radiates. Heat radiates. In Christ, you could feel the heat of God. He radiates him. You, you could feel the glory of God. You could see the glory of God in Christ. The son of God radiates. He's the radiance of his glory. In Christ, God is displayed. God is displayed in Christ. And you say, well, I wish I would have lived then so that I could see that. I would have loved that. I honestly would have. But I have his word. I can still see Christ. And I can still see God in Christ. Do you see? He still radiates God's glory. 
in Christ God has displayed. You can see in Christ God's perfect justice and his perfect mercy. God has displayed all his attributes. Justice, mercy, grace, anger, kindness, love, all of it. We see it perfectly in Christ. God is on display in Jesus. But there's more. Look look at the end of verse 3. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And if you want to change the pronouns there to like proper nouns, it would read, God upholds the universe by the word of the Son's power. So God's self-disclosure in the Son looks forward in time as the heir of all things and back in time as the agent of creation and up to the display of God and then all around us as the one who upholds everything. That makes it clear to me. I continue to exist because of the word of God. I continue to exist because of the word of his power. You know, and that changes the small ways that we so often think about Christ and the place that he should play in our life, doesn't it? I mean, it shows them to be infinitesimally small. We, we talk about Jesus as if he is an aspect of our lives that we should, you know, honorably, we should increase that aspect. We want, we want Christ to take a bigger role in our life, and that's right. You know, that's right. It's right to think that way. We want Christ. But he is not merely an aspect of your life, friends. It is by him that you exist. He upholds the universe. If he ceased that upholding power for a moment, there would be nothing. He's not an aspect of your life. He is everything. If the Son of God ceased his upholding power just for a second, where would we be? Look with me at the end of verse 3. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The, The fifth word, I'm just walking through these, the fifth word that God has spoke through his Son is that he and he alone is the Savior of the world. He made purification for sins. No one else. Christ. These verses point forward to the end of all things, back to the beginning of all things, up to God and his glory, around to the one who upholds us by the word of his power, and to the cross, where he saves us. There is no other way to be pure. There's no other way. You you cannot be pure on your own. You can try. Many try. You can look at the law of God and say, I'm going to give it my best shot. But you are weakened by the flesh and by sin. And the really good, you're sinful, you know? And the really good news is that Christ died for our sins. The Son made purification for sins, and we must turn to Him by faith if we're to be made pure, and He makes us pure. What He did on the cross is sufficient. You know, if you think of it, here are answers to life's biggest questions. What I've just outlined for you life's biggest questions, deftly, powerfully, Answered in the Son. The most pressing, the most heavy, the most bewildering questions were the questions about which most ink has been spilled in the history of the world. 
God has answered in the Son of God. Where do we come from? Why do we exist? What's the meaning of life? What's the purpose of my life? Where is this all going? What is God like? How can I know him? Those are the questions. Everybody's asking at some level or some, in some way. Have you ever asked such questions? Are you asking them now? You ever find yourself wondering what this is all about, searching for answers, trying to figure out why your life is significant? You ever, you ever been there? Searching for answers for why this makes sense. And turning all different, people turn everywhere for these, to, to find answers for this. They search all over this world. But God has spoken. My wife, Maya, and I had the ultimate long-distance dating, courting relationship. If you've had a long-distance courting relationship, I'm here to trump that, okay? She was in Siberia, and I was in Florida. Can anyone? Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's not a contest, Mike. <laughs> we had this ultimate long-distance dating, courting relationship. She lives in Siberia. I live in Florida. We were communicating by letter for the first year. We did, we, this went on for two years. Second year by email because I was getting really impatient and had to hear quicker, you know. So that's how it happened. Uh, when it became clear to me, it was in the second year that I was writing here, that I loved her and I wanted to marry her, I carefully composed a letter. I actually spent a week writing a poem, like... Yeah. It was the first time I was going to tell a woman that I loved, well, I told my mom that I loved her, but first time I was going to tell a woman I loved her in that way. I, I loved her and I wanted to marry her. I didn't propose by letter, you know, but I, I wanted to tell her that I loved her. So I wanted it to be clear and good and I wanted it to be nice to read. I wanted to understand where I was coming from. And uh, so I, I, I get this all written and ready and I send it to her. And you know that feeling that you get when you hit send to something important? Boom, send. And I'm like, you know. And I'm waiting for her answer. And it was the very worst week of my life. Uh, I waited the first day thinking she's read it by now. You know, it's, 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 it's 5 a.m. in Siberia. She's got it. <laughs> waited the first day. You know what I heard? Crickets. You know what I heard the second day? There's a lot of crickets in Florida, man. <laughs> They are loud. She wasn't answering. So a week went by. Finally, I got her email, you know, and I opened it. And you know what I did? I just casually thought, you know, I'll get to that later because I've got lots of things to do in my life right now, you know. I'll just read it. I skimmed it, you know, and no, man, I opened it and I hung on every word, right? I wanted to know her answer. I had this big pressing question in my life. It was huge right? And the question was, do you love me too? That was my big question. And I wanted the answer. And for me, that question was so big and so powerful that that was all I wanted. I wanted the answer, right? And she wrote me back and she loved me too. which <laughs> pretty awesome. I longed for a clear answer because that was a very important question. Friends, we have massive questions before us in life. And, and, and we're not waiting like with bated breath, with crickets coming. God has spoken the answer to us. We have his answer. It makes no sense to casually approach that. Not if the question is real. 
We have bigger questions. And God has answered them. We don't have to wait. We don't have to hear only crickets from God. God has thundered his answer in Jesus Christ. And we should be eager to hear that word. Eager. By him we exist. And because of him we exist. What is the meaning of life? In a word? Jesus. Where did we come from? And where is this all going? Jesus. What's keeping things going? What's God like? How can I be in relationship with him? How can I be in relationship? How can I be accepted by a holy God when I know that I am a sinner? Massive question. And I have my answer. Christ. Jesus Christ. God has answered the most, in question, the most important questions of life. The only significant question left for you and for me that remains is whether you and I will listen to God's answer. Whether we'll hear it and listen with faith. Will we hear God thunder from heaven his word through the Son and believe in him alone and keep believing and keep living like we believe? Living like we have heard God speak through us or through his Son, to us through his Son. Living like we know, like I know that my life and this world and my future is bound up in the Son of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Will I believe? I know where my significance is, my friends. You know, my significance is not in my abilities or my skills or my strength or my looks or my money or my station in life or my friends or the way that other people view me. God has answered the question for me. The significance of my life, my life itself is bound up in Christ. Jesus is the meaning of my life. I have this clear word from God, a word, you know, here, this clear word in this world full of fog and confusion. God has spoken to us, to us by his son. Jesus entered Jerusalem, humble and riding on a donkey and causing a huge uproar in the city as the people laid down their garments and palm branches and shouted praise to God, to Christ. Praise to the king who was riding into Jerusalem one final time. We know where he was headed, right? We know. He was headed to the cross. He was headed to Calvary so that God would speak a decisive word. And he'd do that through the words of Christ on the way to the cross and on the cross. And he would do that through the blood of Christ and the body of Christ as it was shed and broken for you and for me. He would lay down his life as the atoning, the purifying sacrifice for our sins. This was God speaking to us by his son and his words are kindness and grace, justice and mercy and salvation. To all who will believe. The people were right to cry out, Hosanna. Lord, save us. 
They were perhaps, I don't know what it was all going through their mind. Maybe they were hanging on God's every word. I do know this though, God was speaking. That's what Palm Sunday is all about. It's not primarily what they were saying. It's about what God was speaking to us through his son. And I just want to ask you and encourage you to hear him today. Hear him today. Hear him by faith. Faith alone in what Christ has done alone. Faith in the son of God alone. Will you hear him today in all of your confusion and problems and suffering? Hear him by faith. And this gives us so much strength to walk through this life. So much strength. So much, you you know, like, so much clarity. Let me encourage you to do something just very practically with Holy Week, okay? So, all week long, what if you focused on hearing the word of God spoken by the Son. What if you decided this week you would put aside everything else, I mean, do your work and whatever, but put aside everything else you might be thinking about and spend some special time thinking about what God has said in the Son. That's why we're doing this devotional series that Sam Parker has arranged. Every, every week we've got a blog post on Ridgeview, Ridgeview.church. You can check it out. Uh, each day of the week, there'll be like what happened that week in the Holy Week and then some application and then some scripture. You could do that. Spend some time thinking about what God has said because it has everything to do with your life. It ought to like excite you and interest you more than a love letter from a prospective bride. This is God speaking through the Son in a decisive way. And it means your salvation if your hope is in Christ. Father, I pray that you would strengthen our faith this week. You will give us resolve to look to Christ. That we, in the clutter of voices and words that are surrounding us, there is no shortage of words. But you have spoken, and I pray that through all that clutter, we would hear your word we would hear how you have spoken to us through the Son. And Lord, we praise you. We praise you for speaking to us in that way. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that that Jesus Christ laid down his life. He had the authority to lay it down. He laid it down for us. He bore my sin and the sin of these on his shoulders. Lord, we thank you for that. I pray that we would hear that word today with faith. In Jesus' name, amen.